Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The first thing I always tell a new client is that you're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Because oftentimes a lot of energy work is gone at the, with the intentions, oh, we got to heal this and we got to fix this and we got to do all these things. Yeah, that's, that's a byproduct of, of what we do. But if we're looking at it from a place of how do you want to feel? Like who, who are you really at your heart and soul level? What is it that you want to create? What is it that you're choosing? What are the end results from that place of you just love to have them? And then we can look at that and pull up the resistance and the resistance is going to be in the form of, of these, you know, family history stuff, the beliefs, the emotions and things like that, that are coming up, blocking us from being able to go for what we want. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story, what happened to them, how they got through. 
and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hey, beautiful souls. What do you dream of? In the moments when you lie awake in bed searching the darkness for what the future holds, what's holding you back from realising those dreams? Do you feel like you know absolutely what you want but can't figure out how to get there? Do you know that there's something better in your future but you hold so much resistance to breaking out of the mould of the life that you've created for yourself that you don't know where to even start? Do you find yourself starting over and over trying to break through an invisible barrier that seems to be telling you that you'll never get through? I'm chatting with Amanda Monnier on this week's episode and Amanda is an energy healer. As a six-year-old, Amanda absorbed all the chaos surrounding her parents' divorce and believed that what had happened within her family was her fault. Those deeply held beliefs stayed with Amanda for years and she found herself years later feeling like she was so ready to change the life that she created but she had no idea where to start. Amanda now believes that the key to living our best life lies in finding our resistance which comes from our family history, beliefs and emotions and healing our energy to create the life we deserve. Please join me in hearing Amanda's story. Amanda, it's so great to connect with you today. As an energy healer and a mindset coach, I know that you are helping women to heal in big ways, breaking ancestral patterns and shifting into the fullest embodiment of who they are at a soul level. It all sounds so amazing. But first up, I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey and the life experiences that put you on this path of helping women. And I know your parents divorced when you were six years of age. Can you tell us how that situation affected you at the time? Yeah. So um, first off, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Very excited to get into some of these uh, topics and conversations. Yeah. And I want to start off by saying, you know, my family's amazing. I'm very thankful for my family and, you know, I, I wouldn't be here being able to share these things without the, the things that I've learned along the way so that now I can help other people and maybe even the parents are in these situations. So yeah, when I was, yeah, I was about six years old. Um, my parents split up and I, as a child, like I had everything, like as far as like always had food to eat, a roof over my head, all the things. But I think for me, most of what it was, it was like, and what I've learned, it's like these ancestral patterns and um, dynamics that get passed down over and over and over again. And I um, internalized personally, I internalized their split. And I always had these like deeply rooted patterns around feeling like I was unworthy, like it was my fault. And like, I somehow caused it. And because as like a child, as a young child, like, especially between um, age zero and like six or seven, like we're functioning in that theta brainwave state. So everything that's going on around us is all like, we're in that, like, we're constantly being subconsciously programmed and 
and it's all based on like our perception, right? So if, you know, the people that are raising us didn't have that from their families, the love and the nurturing and the warmth and how, I mean, at the end of the day too, I will say it's like, as a child, like we probably will never fully, you know, 100% get what we think we need from our parents. There will always be these little things that come up where we, you know, have these emotions come up. It's part of life, but I'm talking at like those core values, you know, around like the love and the nurturing and those things that make a child feel safe and wanted. So for me, it was, I saw all the things that were happening with my family, as far as my parents and, and our, what I knew was like our home falling apart And I felt somehow I decided in my head, I created this belief that I was responsible in some way for this. And so it constantly would show up. And I, um, until, you know, the last several years, I was able to unravel it, but it, it really showed up for years and years and years down the line, especially even with like my dating relationships, I would always gravitate towards men who, um, would almost like continue to show me how unworthy I felt I was. <laughs> so yeah. it, um, it, it definitely deeply rooted in my, my belief system, um, how I saw myself, um, you know, I just didn't feel powerful. I didn't feel um, like I could be fully myself. So it, it definitely manifested in, in all areas of my life. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I don't think often that parents of a divorce situation or in a divorce situation realize how much blame a lot of kids feel around their parents' divorce, because I've heard it a lot. Why do you think that kids do blame themselves? Is it because there's a, you know, a negative situation, they just believe it's around them? Yeah, for me, I feel like, and kind of maybe going into the fact that like I do energy work and stuff now, I was always like very sensitive in general, like um, as you've heard of the, the term like empath, like you feel everything, right? So I think part of it, at least for me uh, personally, was that I was just feeling all of it. Like we're, you know, everybody to some degree, we're, I mean, we're all intuitive. It's just how much, you know, how sensitive you are to things. Like you can walk into a room and like feel the energy of a room. Right. And so I think for me, it was like, I think even before it happened, like I was picking up on, you know, all the little things, like people think kids don't pick up on stuff, like kids pick up on everything. So whether it's like you had a bad day and you come in and like, you're upset and the kid, you know, may be like, Oh my gosh, did I do something? Do they do something wrong? Because they can feel that. And it's like this level of innocence that children have that is like their um, true nature before like they're conditioned and programmed. It's like how kids can look at something that we would not even take a second look at and be like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing because they see the world through a different lens. Now, when they have all these like other, you know, stimuli and and I guess I would maybe consider kind of like low vibe um, environments and energies, then that starts to like kind of add that density to their energy field. And then they start picking up on these things. So, yeah, I would say that that was just kind of what I experienced. Like I was just picking up on all that chaos and the resentment and all the things going on and that had continued to go on. And so that was just my perception, how I interpreted the situation. Yeah. 
And when you're six, you're just in the middle of it. You don't have any way of analysing it or you're just taking it on, I suppose. And you talk about the ancestral trauma within your family. Can you tell us a little bit about how generational trauma unconsciously programs our minds? Yeah, generational trauma is very interesting. It's actually been coming up a lot in my work lately and just it's been a lot of my healing work. So um, I believe scientifically, I want to say it's seven years they've traced to where um, certain genetic templates and um, trauma can get passed down through lineage after lineage after lineage. So if we think about it from the perspective of you know, like, let's say, for example, um, that we have, um, you know, a great, great grandfather that was in like some form of like depression, or even like poverty mindset, like this energetic template, that's in his field, gets passed down to the next generation. And then let's say it gets, you know, a handful of years down the line. And I could be running that programming in the background, and kind of just feeling it, but not knowing exactly where it's coming from. So it's unconsciously rooted in within me. And so I'm carrying out that identity because everything that as far as um, I know, we'll get into manifestation and that kind of stuff a little bit later. But as far as that, all all the cornerstone for all of that is is rooted in our identity and our structure. So even if let's say I'm okay, I'm going to go build this business, and I'm going to do all these things. And I'm running this programming and it's rooted in my identity that I have like this uh, poverty mindset or scarcity mindset running. It's I may take two steps forward, but I'm going to take two steps back because this identity is pulling me back because it's part of my energy field It's part of my, my DNA. Yeah. It's very strong, isn't it? (laughs) It's like, Oh, it's quite, yeah, it's interesting how that really does get entrenched in families. So we really need to rewire that, don't we? Is that what your energy work is about? Yeah, so it's a combination of things. So the first thing I always tell a new client is that you're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Because oftentimes a lot of energy work is gone at the, with the intention, oh, we got to heal this and we got to fix this and we got to do all these things. Yeah, that's, that's a byproduct of, of what we do. But if we're looking at it from a place of how do you want to feel? Like who, who are you really at your heart and soul level? What is it that you want to create? What is it that you're choosing? What, is it, what are the end results from that place of you just love to have them? We're going at it from a completely different perspective. And then we can look at that and pull up the resistance. And the resistance is going to be in the form of, of these, you know, family history stuff, the beliefs, the emotions and things like that, that are coming up, blocking us from being able to go for what we want. So it's kind of a, a shift um, in mindset as far as, you know, we don't need to go like digging into all of this stuff. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to be released and unearthed but we're doing it from a place of we're creating this new identity structure so that rather than us, you know, five years down the line, we're doing all this healing work. And then we're, you know, continuing to just like look for things that are wrong. It's, 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 I've found that it has made it drastic changes in the way things manifest for me um, because I'm being intentional about what it is I want. That sounds awesome. So when you were growing up and your parents have divorced, were you ever able to express any of the emotions as you got older to anybody that you were having? Or was it really something that you kept within you for most of your 
growing up years? I feel like I, I held a lot of it in and a lot of mine, it was, it was a combination of things, you know, as far as emotions go, like there was sadness, there was anger, there was resentment in which, you know, all of those take up a lot of energetic space too. So, you know, and, and in addition, everything I'm learning about energy work and the, the ties between this and the physical body, like for me, it was manifesting in my skin, like breakouts and things like that. Um, and just, you know, pain in the body, but that was one of the main things. So it's, it's interesting too, because, um, you know, certain emotions such as like unworthy will resonate with the same vibration of those of like the bacteria and the viruses, like they, as well as like guilt and shame, they attract those sorts of things. So it's interesting too, when we're going through these things and when we notice what's coming up in the physical body, it's because our physical body is trying to get our attention. It's always trying to get our attention. If there, if we're having any pain or discomfort, you know, sometimes uh, we'll just kind of be like, Oh, you know, it's no big deal. And then, you know, it'll continue to compound. And then we have a full blown like dis-ease, which is just really the um, manifestation of all of the stuff that's been going on that we have has gone unnoticed. And then, you know, oftentimes we'll just be like, oh, we'll just put a bandaid on it when really it's this, this deeper work can really allow for that stuff to release and will resolve the pain or whatever it is that's manifesting in the body. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I only figured out in recent years because I spent many years really chronically unwell with something or other you know, and you can heal the one thing and then it seems to move to something else. And it's just, you spend your whole time trying to fix the issue without actually realizing that it's basically coming from that trauma. And I think that's what a lot of people are not understanding. And it's something that we really need to start getting that message out to people. So was there like a low point in your life where you realized that you needed to make some changes? Yeah, I would say to where I kind of started to have my spiritual awakening. And that was about six, maybe six and a half years ago. Now I was working um, as a law enforcement officer, as a probation officer before I switched into this work. And um, I went through a very um, heart wrenching breakup and it was all tied to all of this stuff, right? Like my, I always say like same man, different face. (laughs) And it wasn't my fault. Like it's, and that's what I want people to understand. Like, it's like, it's not your fault. It's just it's just a byproduct of what's been going on in that identity piece. And you can choose to shift that at any time you can choose something else. And there are ways to do this, but I would say that was kind of a low, low for me, as far as it was just like, I was like, I can't keep doing this. I was like, I have all had always kind of felt like there was something I was missing, like a piece of the puzzle. Cause I, before, like I had done a lot of energy work and I had I, the energy work kind of started a, within this six, seven year, but this, this triggered my spiritual awakening to where I was like, okay, I need to, I'm going to start searching for, you know, answers in ways because life should not be like, I should not wake up and feel uninspired most days. Like life should be amazing. It should be waking up excited for the day, the majority of days. And I was like, this just isn't going to cut it. Like, I just can't continue doing this this cycles with men and, you know, feeling like I'm waking up and going to a job that I don't absolutely love. Like, and that's where I started doing that uh, more soul searching, if you will. And that inner work, just like there has to be, like, I just knew intuitively, like, I just knew that this was in part of my journey, I was going to be able to share this with others. Once I kind of 
put the pieces together. So yeah, I think I hid in my house for like a, like a couple weeks or something. Like it was just kind of one of those dark night of the soul is what some people refer to it as. And, and by any means, like worse things can happen, right? It's a breakup, but it was like kind of like a, a an emotional rock bottom to some degree to where like these patterns just hit. It was like, I was just so done. Like, I was like, I can't do another one of these. <laughs> yeah. So when you went through that couple of weeks, what sort of realizations did you have? Did you sort of realize that you weren't giving yourself any self-love or boundaries or what were your realizations out of that time? Yeah. One of the main things was that I felt powerless. I felt absolutely powerless. The fact that I had, I was in a situation to where and I, I kind of initiated the breakup. It was kind of mutual, but like the whole thing triggered this stuff. So it was, I just felt absolutely like powerless over my emotions, over everything. And, and I get why people stay in these cyclical patterns in relationships. Cause it's like, okay, put the bandaid on it and go back. But it was like this level of, I had to figure out how to get grounded again and how to plant my two feet on the ground and to, I didn't want to feel like this. I didn't want it to be something where, you know, one person could rock my world in that way for, you know, a couple weeks or whatever it was like, you know, to where I'm an emotional wreck because of this, this trauma pattern, so to speak. And because I had felt that very similar pattern more off, like I'd felt this pattern prior. And it was almost like, it almost felt like kind of this, a little bit of needy energy. And then that, again, that just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help myself sort of thing. And so I was like, I have to figure this out because <laughs> I know that I'm not the only one going through this. I know there are so many people that experience this and I've spoken to a lot of them and I've, I've seen a lot of people go back into these situations to where, you know, they're not, and it, it's not a healthy relationship. It's not a healthy dynamic and they go back because it's like this wounding that, that they haven't resolved. And so it's like, okay, it's a quick fix, right? <laughs> because sometimes, you know, sitting in the silence can be a little uncomfortable because then all the stuff starts coming up and we're like, oh my gosh, like, what do I do with this? Right? Like, how do I even begin to address it? So I completely understand how that is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it is that feeling of powerlessness, isn't it? When, you're giving that power away to everybody else in your life and it just is affecting you so deeply. And you ended up going from a law enforcement officer to an energy healer and that, you know, blows my mind because that's probably the biggest kind of career change that you can imagine. What were your first steps out of that entrenched feeling of of powerlessness and then moving on to, to making this new life for yourself. Yeah. So I actually, I still worked for um, the probation department for a handful of years after that. And I was just kind of learning at that point. Like I wasn't ready to like go all out and to like bring this into the world and to help people who have been in my situation. But I mean, I did everything from reading all kinds of books, getting different certifications, going to classes, like just learning and soaking up as much information as I could. And it all, you know, I look back to some of the stuff I learned then and I was like, it was like the perfect foundation, but I'm like, okay, like we've up-leveled the amount of, you know, information and healing I can help others with by all the things that kind of came after that when I was ready for it. But it was, it was, it was a, it was a pretty cool journey because it, I was really able to 
get to the place where I was like comfortable in my own skin and to where I started to feel like I don't have to allow anyone the power to hurt me again in that way. Like I, people can really only hurt me if I allow them to some degree. The fact that I had learned how to ground myself and come back to who I truly was and to just feel very like stable and strong and in that like soul alignment. It just, it just allowed me, it, it was game changing, like life changing, because if, if not anything else, like I even tell my clients, like my job's done when you don't need me anymore, because that's not the point. The point is for all of us, like if we're all in our own alignment and in our power, then that's where we that's where we thrive. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love all of that. So you started really getting into the energy work. Can you explain a little bit about how big of a part energy plays in our healing? Yeah. So I, I know a lot of people even uh, met recently. <laughs> I, I think people think hear the word energy healing and they think like, oh, this is so woo woo. And like, what the hell is she doing? You know, like people it's, it's, it's definitely a growing concept for sure. Um, but if I can break it down for people to its core, it is scientific because everything is energy. So even if we put our hand under a microscope and you end up zooming in enough, you're going to see that there are spaces in between the particles in your hand. Like it's, it's all energy vibrating together to make this form, which is our, you know, our human body. And then you have all kinds of different forms that are again, just all energy vibrating together in a specific way. So when we look at it like that, it's a different concept because we can use energy work to pinpoint and release these traumas and this energy that is no longer in alignment, that's no longer serving us. I work with the, um, the energy. So we have a, a conscious mind. Um, we have our unconscious mind, which the majority of people are just running off that unconscious mind. And so that's just kind of like that autopilot state. So, you know, you have people, they wake up every day and they, you know, they go to this, the same job, even though they're not they don't love it. And then they come home, go to sleep and get a day or two off on the weekend, right? They're just kind of in that like homeostasis, like they're in that comfort zone doing for the most part, the same things. So we also have what's called the super conscious or the super conscious field of energy. So this field of energy contains information. It has all information on like our family history, all events, like it's this, um, some people may refer to it as the higher self, all of our emotions, everything about us, right? So when we learn how to tune into this field of energy, when I tune into it in conjunction with, um, with source energy. So like what someone referred to as God source, um, you know, we all as humans love to label stuff, right? So tuning into these energies to use the super conscious and this very high vibrational energy to recode and rewire, um, the neurology, the energy field, um, releasing these trauma patterns and these things that are no longer aligned. So it actually is, it's rapid. Like you'll even, you get, you can get to the point where I will feel energy, like leaving my body. I can feel where I have blockages in my body because when we have all these low vibrational energies, the majority of people don't feel it because they're so their energy field is dense. So what really we want to get to is our body's ability to hold more light and we can hold more light when we aren't so dense. 
And if we're, we have the low vibrational energies, like, you know, guilt and shame are some of the lowest frequencies on the planet. And then we have, you know, compassion and joy and love. So when we're in those frequencies, I think we can all agree that those feel better than the guilt and the shame. And so this all just ties together in that way. I love that you're replacing light with dense energy. That sounds amazing. So the phrase being aligned with my soul purpose is used a lot at the moment. What does it actually mean? Yeah, so I firmly believe that we all have something that we're passionate about, something special that is within us that we came to like unleash this planet to bring more light. It's simply something that we forgot. So it's all about just a remembrance of who you are at that deeper heart and soul level. So soul alignment, um, when you get into this place of soul alignment, you're being that 100% authentic version of yourself. And when we're coming from a place of like that heart and soul, it's like you can't get it wrong. Like when you, you can even bring your focus and energy into your heart, our heart field has more neurons than any other place in the body. And so it's just extremely powerful. If I told someone, Hey, we're going to get into the end result of a life you love, bringing your focus and intention into your heart and starting to tune into what that looks like, what that feels like, it's going to be unique for everybody, but those things are going to start to pop up as far as, you know, the things that we would just love to have, whether it be like a very loving partner or a family situation or the career that just lights us up. So that all is in relation to like soul alignment. It's just that remembrance of who you truly are at a soul level, because if we had more people that were in alignment with who they are as a soul, is it be a better place for sure? Because in contrast to that, going back to that example of people that are, you know, let's say um, they wake up, they're like, oh, I hate my job, but yet they go there every day. Like behavior is one of the highest forms. It, It is the highest form of communication with the universe. So you keep going back there every day, you're sending the message that you're, you're choosing that you're choosing it every day. So we could start to shift those things by being intentional and planting those seeds energetically, because when we get into those, the heart field, and when we're aligning with what it is, um, those things that we love, those things that light us up, the mind and the body doesn't know the difference between that and the physical reality. So that's how we draw those things to us we align with that as far as we're creating those identity structures and we're planting those energetic seeds and we're having our super conscious. We can even have our super conscious, like code those into the muscle memory to the DNA. So it's like at a cellular level, we're already experiencing it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It is fascinating, but that's pretty much what manifestation is. Is that right? So I will say yes. Yes. So One of the main things that mainstream manifestation and like you hear law of attraction and all the things that we constantly hear, do your affirmations. The main thing that is not discussed, it's like the reason why you're not seeing your manifestations goes back to that identity piece I kind of mentioned earlier. So the identity and and structure. So we could be, if we're just saying the affirmations, doing the visualizations, planting those seeds but we're not doing the rewiring and we're not releasing all the old stuff, you're either going to feel stuck or you're going to have the oscillation. Now I'm not saying this for every single situation, but 
for like the bigger things, right? Like with most of uh, my clients and for me personally, when I started doing this work, it, it can take like six to 12 months to really lay the foundation because you're unraveling all of these patterns, all of this programming, all of this resistance. And we have, let's say we have our end result of what we want to create, whether it's, you know, a life you love, soulmate love, financial abundance, whatever, whatever that thing is, or, you know, things that you want to create in your life, consciously create in your life. And then you have, okay, this is the present reality. And then you have this like gap in between. So we have what I refer to as resistance, the things that are, you know, coming up that are not allowing us to easily take inspired action towards the things we want, because there's along with the identity, another piece that's missed is the inspired action piece. So you hear people be like, oh, it's just gonna like, it's just gonna flow your way. You just have to believe that it's gonna flow your way. No, you have to take inspired action towards your end results as well for those manifestations to come to fruition. And that kind of comes with learning to trust your intuition and your internal guidance because it's, we, again, we are all very intuitive. We've just kind of forgot or maybe some fully haven't tapped into that yet. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, so with that tapping into that gut instinct, like you say, we we have forgotten that often because of our childhood, right? Because we're trained not to think or feel. We're really trained to do what we're told or we're trained to try and please and do whatever it is to survive in our own situation, our home situation. How do we tap back into that intuition? Yeah. And I completely agree with you on that, the teaching the kids what to think and not how to think because children are absolutely so powerful when they're in their innocence. So learning how to tune back into it, it, it honestly starts with, let's say I was working with a client and I was going to have them kind of um, get into that space. Uh, I would have them bring their focus and intention into their heart space and start taking some deep breaths and really just get grounded in their body. Cause so many people are so outside of their body or they're so in their head. So this is a way where we get out of our head and into our body because, and everybody feels these pings a little differently. Some may see more visuals and pictures. Some might hear more things. Someone might feel in their, in their body. So it just kind of depends on, you know, learning, learning how your intuition works for you and in which predominant ways, like for me, I'll hear things, I'll see things, but my main thing is I feel it in my body. That's why sometimes I'll like, you know, I have to be mindful, like when I'm doing client sessions and things like that, because 
I like, I have to make sure I'm clearing my, my energy because I feel these things. Like I feel their emotions when I'm working with them, but tuning back into the heart space and then setting the intention to connect with your own super conscious. And you can even see it as this light coming from source. And it's all about intention too. Like when we have the intention for something, it's so powerful. Like I, I know that it's sometimes when we can't see things, it's like hard for our, our human mind to fully grasp it but it's like a muscle. So once you start learning to use this intuition muscle, then it becomes second nature to where you can connect instantly. It's very quick. And it just kind of becomes something that you use in your day-to-day life, but definitely starts with the heart space, grounding into the body, getting out of the head into the heart is definitely important. And even just, you know, obviously I, I always suggest to like getting in nature helps too, because with the fast pace of, of life that we have and everything, it's like all the things that we, our phones going off, our TVs going like so much stimulation for the brain and, and all the things um, that come in through our senses. So it's like our brain filtering out all those things. For me, when I, I live near the ocean, so whenever I just like can go sit on the ocean. Like, even if I've had like kind of a crazy day, I'm like, it just grounds me so much. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that too. Being by the ocean is really important to me. So is your intuition and your super conscious and your higher self, are they all the same thing? So I would say your super conscious and uh, higher self, like those words are used interchangeably. I tend to use the word super conscious is like when I'm working with people, I'll use super conscious. And to me, that just means like their soul records, the infinite field of energy pertaining to, you know, all the things that make them them. And so it helps me connect with, you know, what is it that is of highest priority. And I always ask to be shown the truth of the person that I'm working with so that, you know, we can access those things that really it's time for them to go. And then um, as far as, yeah, the intuition, I would say that that intuition is like, Again, going back to that, it's like that, I guess, sixth sense, if you will, like the being able to like um, tune into this information and connect with your super conscious and connect with your heart and be able to tap into that guidance and those things that you're feeling like it's like this truth, like being able to access these pieces. So it just, again, it's, it's, I would say it's a different experience for everyone with connecting to their own intuition and learning how to, but again, it goes back to too, when, when we're connecting with people, like we can feel when someone's mad, we can feel when someone's a little off or like, you know, somebody that's having a bad day and, and you know that their tone's a little different, like that's all intuition. We can just tune into it and connect to it at a higher level. Yeah. And we touched on manifestation before, but it is quite a confusing topic, I think, for people. What are the things about manifestation that people frequently misunderstand? Yeah. So circling back on a couple of the things. So I already discussed the energy and structure, super, super important. You know, if we don't see ourselves as someone who gets to have that, that loving soulmate relationship, like it's like, okay, we may feel it until we want it, but there's this part of us that's like, oh, I'm not worthy of that. It's going to be this push-pull aspect of it. And so um, what we really want is all parts and aspects of the person to be functioning as one mono personality. So we don't have all this splicing going on to where we're one minute we're all in and then we have this other part that doesn't feel worthy that's popping into the picture and maybe sabotaging or even 
early on, like, let's say that you meet somebody and it's, and it's aligned and then you you don't even go on the date or something. You come up with some reason as to why you don't even go on the date. So we want that one mono personality functioning together. And so I would say that foundationally is so important is to work from that identity and structure piece, as well as the end results. So for manifestation, being intentional and clear on those end results and feeling into those end results and using this energy of super conscious to really help like anchor those in and, and choose those from a place that we just love to have them because we want to make sure that we're not choosing like a secondary choice. Right. Or for example, like, let's say someone is like, Oh, I choose to, I really want my end result is to lose weight. I would reframe that for them. And I would suggest choosing the end result of being healthy and vibrant because you can even feel into the difference, right? Like it's a, it's a more positive way that we're framing it. And then when we're, for example, the weight loss, it's like, not only does it not feel good, it's like the silent instructions is when you lose something, like you kind of want to find it. And so that's why a lot of people, you know, yo-yo diet, or they like, you know, will lose weight. And then a year later, they'll end up gaining the weight back is because of those identity structures. And then, you know, we have obviously the piece of the inspired action, which I feel is often missed to where, you know, people will do their manifestations and they'll feel into what they want. They may write it down and journal it. And then they don't listen to those intuitive hits and they don't take that inspired action. So they're just kind of waiting for it to show up. So there's this balance of the masculine and feminine energy that needs to take place in order for there to be flow. So if we're, if we're not taking that more masculine action and we're just kind of sitting there in the feminine and we're doing all this work, then it's like, we're not allowing for that structure to move. We want the river to flow downstream. We want the things to be in movement and in flow. Yeah. I was going to ask you about the masculine and feminine energy. Can you tell us a bit about the importance of the two different types of energy there. Yeah. And I've been, I've been learning a lot more about this in the last like six months or so and how incredibly important that it is, because I think we have a tendency um, to kind of predominantly be in one or the other based on kind of our life experience. For me, I was so much in my masculine because it was like, okay, I kind of had to like, I had this harder shell and I was always like kind of in defensive mode. And especially with my former career, like always was like in my masculine to where I didn't really even know what it felt like to be in my feminine energy. So it's so important to have this balance of the two and this allowance for like these, almost these like cycles to move through us. And I think if there are any men listening, like being in your feminine energy, it may like kind of bring up like a, Ugh, like, cause I, I think as a society, we've done a disservice to men um, by the way that it's almost like we've created this culture of it's like, Oh, if you cry, like you're weak or um, you ought to be strong all the time. And so I think that's why we end up with these very, I guess, imbalances, if you will, um, because we're functioning in one or the other predominantly, but being in feminine energy is, is that receiving energy that flow energy, that being able to just go within and being able to just kind of surrender and relax. And, and I think as a society, we kind of have a hard time with that because of how fast paced things are. And it's just go, go, go. And even in dating, for example, like there are a lot of women who don't know how to be in their feminine 
but yet they want a masculine man Two people in their masculine, like is never going to work. It's going to be a disaster. So women in their masculine are either going to be attracting narcissists or men in their feminine, which are going to be like little puppy dogs. So it's, it's not going to work. Like there's a time and place to kind of change and, and put on those different hats. So it's interesting kind of when you learn like the flow of this, like the way I am in my business and on a coaching call, like I'm going to definitely be more in my masculine that's not how I'm going to be on a date. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be my feminine energy on a date. So it's learning to bring out those pieces of you, like for women, you know, that feminine energy, the more playful side, like the more like flowy, sexy side, like it's getting into different activities that bring that out, like a yin yoga class or being able to get, um, you know, draw or sing or be creative, that creative energy. And then there's that time for, okay, now we got to take massive action and time to step into that more powerful energy. You know, if you need to stand in your power and in your truth, pulling out that masculine energy, there's nothing wrong with that. So it's just kind of learning how to have this more uh, balanced approach with the two so that we're not like, like I said, I was in my masculine all the time. So when I dated, I was in my masculine. When I went to work, I was in my masculine. Like I was always finding these alpha men that it was like, there were like two alphas in the room and we were both like, you know, kind of, it was just, it, the dynamic was, it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. It's definitely one of those things where when we learn how to, and it goes into the manifestation stuff as well, because our feminine energy is like our receiving energy. Like when we, when we planted the seeds and when we've taken this action, there's, there's a phase, right. Where, where, where we can just plant our two feet and surrender and allow those things to come through. Yeah. It's definitely kind of learning that process and, and trying on those different energies. Yeah. And I just wonder, having been through that experience as a child of your parents' divorce, if you could give advice to parents who might be going through a similar thing, what do we need to give to kids in that situation to to make it a much more positive outcome for them. Yeah. I mean, I can say it's definitely challenging when people are in their unconscious programming to handle these situations and, and, and navigate them because we're responding based on our programming, our conditioning, our trauma, our emotional responses. I feel like it's, it's one of those things where when we can take a step back from the situation and see it from a higher perspective, because yeah, there are times when like, you know, we do need to have our boundaries in and all these things, but if we can stop looking at it as, oh, this person's doing all these things to me and how can I take a step back and maybe make some changes and, and what patterns am I playing out? How can I up level as a soul? How can I evolve a little bit here? How can I see this from a more enlightened perspective? It can change the whole dynamic. And as far as if there are kids involved, making sure these kids know that it's not them one, <laughs> like it's they, at the end of the day, I think we can all agree that kids just want like love and nurturing and to feel safe. Like those basic things, obviously, aside from, you know, the basic essentials to stay alive, but the love and the safety and the nurturing energy, because they can feel all of this stuff, whether you think they can, or they can't, they absolutely feel it all. They know what's going on. Even if it's uh, behind closed doors, like they're, they're, they're picking up on it. <laughs> I'm, I'm all big for creating a shift as far as 
breaking these cycles, um, even going back to some of the stuff on relationships and love, these paradigms and these um, templates that we have for love right now, it's time to shift it a bit because they're very rooted in trauma. They're very rooted in the unconscious. They're very codependent. They're very narcissistic. There are some people who can't, you know, function if their partner leaves the room or goes out for a a night with some friends. I understand because I felt some of these things, you know, as far as the patterns and whatnot in these relationships. But I always say like your emotions are your compass. Like if you're in a dynamic that doesn't feel good day after day, it's time to take a look. Everything's a choice, right? Like if you're, you know, if you have no desire to to choose something else, that that's one thing. But, you know, if it's something where you're like, oh, I don't feel so good. And I, I'm ready to like shift some of these things. There are ways to shift it. And there are ways to actually shift it at a quicker rate than you would think. So you don't have to keep playing out these unconscious patterns. And then you don't have to, the thing is, is you, what most people don't understand is you're passing them down too, for the most part, for the children that, you know, take those on. There are some that don't, but oftentimes they take those on or they take on like a fragment of it or a piece of it, or, you know, they take on some sort of other type of thing that they play out later down the line when it just, you know, it could have stopped. And that's what a lot of, yeah. I know a lot of people are doing this work right now. Um, I know a lot of people that they're, they're doing like that inner work to break these patterns and these cycles. Yeah. And I guess for kids in a divorce situation, just, you know, putting them first in a way and just making sure that they know how loved they are because I think there's just a lack of communication. And like you say, parents often do feel that kids are not really taking any of it in. They're just little kids. They don't really know what's going on, but like you say, they really do absorb everything in many cases and just understanding that and bundling them up and filling them up with a whole bunch of love, you know, and and listening to them and chatting it through with them, even when they're six, because they have a lot going on in their, their little brains, don't they, when when they're six, even when we don't think they do. So Amanda, you're showing women how to remove their blocks at the root to change the cause of their current beliefs and then show them how to be the future version of themselves now so that they can take aligned and inspired action. This new world belief really is that we should be feeling good in our lives and we don't need to struggle and feel miserable just to feel like we're living a good life which is what we mainly grow up believing, isn't it? I think as a kid, I was told you just have to go and get a job, you stay in that. Nobody ever spoke about joy. It's really about bringing joy into our lives, isn't it? It's it's a new idea that life doesn't just have to be all about struggle and feeling miserable and doing what we've always been told we have to do. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I always kind of use the example as, as kids, you know, we're we get to a point where, you know, we go to school and then we're like, okay, pick a major, <laughs> funnel yeah. everything in this box. And yeah. then you graduate and you're like, okay, pick a job and funnel all your skills into this one job. And it's like, okay, pick, pick, pick. And it's never like this almost like internal, like dialogue of what lights you up? Like what makes you passionate? I mean, I guess some, to some degree, maybe people pick their major based on that, but it's like, you know, we, then we go to school and we get taught all of these, you know, things that we got to regurgitate onto a, you know, multiple question test. And it's like, I mean, like when did stuff become so institutionalized? (laughs) Maybe it's just me, but I don't, I don't subscribe. So for me, it's just what lights your heart and soul up and what are your gifts that you're, you're here to bring to the planet and you can 
shift into something that is more meaningful and something where you wake up every day and you're like, okay, cool. I get to do this today. And this is awesome. And I love it versus what the majority of people across the globe do. It's okay. I have to go here. And then it's like a drag. They get, they drink like nine cups of coffee to get them through the day (laughs) because they're like, okay, I got to stay awake. And it's almost like this. I don't know. I guess it smooths it over. I don't know the the pain of having to (laughs) take your soul into that place every day. I've been, I went to uh, worked at places before where I like feel like a piece of my soul's dying when I walk into the building. And to some degree, it's because it was because I wasn't living my truth. And so I was, you know, hiding under some, you know, nonsense assignment, you know, getting a menial paycheck to make someone else a bunch of money <laughs> to yeah. where I was kind of like, you know, a number on a spreadsheet, right? So it's a whole different paradigm shift when we start to look at it as an opportunity and an option to choose. Obviously money's a thing, right? It, it circulates and, you know, it causes us to be able to do the things that it's a factor. But my question always is to my clients, like, okay, let's say, let's take money out of the equation for a moment. If you were to do your passion work, like your, you know, life purpose work, what would that look like? What would that be if we're pulling money out of the equation for just a moment? And then you can really get to the bottom of what lights somebody up. Because when you have somebody who is passionate about what they're doing, they're lit up, it's going to translate and it's going to magnetize others because it's like almost like this light that they forgot that is within them. And so it's like, oh, I want some of what she's got. (laughs) And it's kind of a different perspective to look at it. But if we started shifting a bit, then, you know, we continue to make the world a better place and to raise those vibrations on the planet, because let's be real, the way that we're doing things, people are very sick, people are very uninspired. And a lot of people are really unkind too, because they're not happy with what they're doing. And so if we can start to bring some more of this in living from these more heart centered places, it's just a completely different shift. Yeah, I love all of that. And that is so true. I think that people are pretty miserable in the world they're unhappy and that just leads to more negativity I just wonder do you have any advice because I do think people do want to find that thing that sparks them but I I think often they're so closed to it or they've been so conditioned out of that that it's very hard for them to even figure that out. I've, I've spoken to people before and they've said, I can never figure out what that is. I mean, is there any kind of trick to finding what that spark is? Yeah. And I would say we all know what that is. It's just remembering. So going back to that connection with the heart and bringing your focus and energy into your heart and time is not linear as we know it. So when we, you know, we look at time is this we have our, you know, our minutes and our hours and everything, but it's actually like when we're talking about like in the quantum field and the possibilities, we can shift timelines at an instant by making a certain decision or a choice. Like when we look at it from that perspective, it's kind of fun. Cause then we can play around with it a little bit. Cause a lot of people are like, Oh, like, I don't, you know, I don't want to wait that long. Or it's like, kind of like the construct of time really, I think trips people up a little bit. So when we're coming from that place and you're tuned into your heart and you start to again, remembering that it's all about intention, setting the intention to tune into that version of you that is doing all the things that you in your heart and soul are here to do. You can tune into that aspect because it literally, it's just an aspect. It's a possibility because you do have to choose it. So it's not about right or wrong. There's nothing right or wrong about either of these. It's just a choice. Like, what do you choose? What are you choosing to consciously create? 
So if you are tuning into this possibility of if you were to take those action steps and you were to start to kind of peel back those layers, you can actually tap into that version of yourself and then you can just start to kind of see what comes to you. You can write it. Some people like are better with like writing because there's actually something about putting pen to paper and connect. You can connect with your super conscious just by setting that intention and you can get guidance and information in that way. If you're wanting to kind of do some of this work on your own, that would be where I would suggest starting is starting to just kind of bring that awareness back to your body. And again, that tuning into your heart space. It's just so powerful. Yeah, I love that. And Amanda, you are Amanda Monnier on Instagram. You are an energy healer, a certified magnetic mind coach, an emotion code practitioner, and you hold a bachelor's in psychology. I know that amongst many women, you have a free Facebook group and you are helping women in amazing ways. Can you tell us everything that you're offering. Yes. So I do do this type of work one-on-one with people. Healing back all of those layers can take a little bit of time. And so I do this work one-on-one for my clients. I've seen them grow exponentially to where they're launching businesses and able to really just step into their truth. It's amazing to see. I'm launching a group class with my, one of my business partners. So she and I will be launching that. So it's for, you know, maybe if someone doesn't want to do one-on-one work and they want to do more group stuff, that is going to be an offering as well. And then my free Facebook group for people who kind of maybe just want to you know, dabble in it and kind of just hang out and see if this is something that resonates with them. And I do on occasion, I'll do a free group energy work. And I also, I'm a yoga teacher. So I, sometimes I integrate this work into my yoga to where we're doing like yin yoga and really opening the body. So we can release some of this trauma from the tissues and I'll work with super conscious in that way to clear this at that level as well. So, I mean, the possibilities are endless for how we can use this stuff. And I I actually have seen it just kind of happening at a more rapid pace lately. It's too, it's very interesting to see how quickly some of this stuff is clearing so that people can really just step into this work because again, the world just needs it now more than ever. People really just owning that and just being able to just like thrive. I don't believe that life here is supposed to be mediocre. I I do think that we can choose to thrive. So that's where my passion is, is helping people get to that state to where they're totally in flow with it. Oh, I love it. So good. And I'll put all the links to where people can find you in the show notes so that it's easy to find. Thank you so much, Amanda, for chatting with me today. Everything you're doing is just amazing. And the way that you're helping women, it's just been wonderful to get all of that information from you today. So thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you, Dawn. I had a great conversation with you and it's been awesome. Thank you so much. Check the show notes for a direct link to all books recommended in this episode. Come and follow me on Instagram at mybigloveproject. Drop a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thank you for joining me. I'll catch you next week.